what's up everybody welcome to a new episode of the it doesn't matter what your podcast is called podcast this is ben cruz with my tag team partner and co-host jeremy loss on the other end jay what's up dude I am exhausted after watching that double or nothing card. Holy cow. Oh my god. Oh, we're going to dive right into this um, <laughs> after we do all the uh, housekeeping here, but oh, what a card. Anyway, uh, right off the bat, just uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe and rate to the pod. Uh, you know, hit us with that five-star rating. Uh, we, have you checked lately? We're actually we've moved up a little bit. In the uh, in the five star rating game, which actually got us to, uh, I believe it was 126th on the sports and rec charts. Our stock is up like AEW. Yeah, we're getting up to that top 100. We're creeping up on some barstool podcasts. We're coming for them. Uh, make sure you follow us on 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 Twitter. Uh, you could follow us at Doesn't Matter Pod. That's Pod with a zero. And you could follow me personally at Jeremy A. Loss for all of the AEW takes and me losing my fucking mind during that card and you can follow ben at cruise control and that's control with a k all right we need to we need to dive into this right away let's jump right into the main event all right so we got to talk about this card first official aew pay-per-view and by god it is the greatest pay-per-view card in the last two years of wrestling oh easily blue my mind from start to finish pre-show to the very last second of the show was spot on home run for aew couldn't believe it what was your take on it i mean echoed like the only so i didn't get to watch it live because i was at one of my best friend's weddings but you were you were obviously texting me throughout, and I, I couldn't respond because I also was like a little jealous <laughs> that you were experiencing it live. But I also wanted to experience it for myself, so I eventually did end up watching the whole thing uh, afterward. And my God, like top to bottom, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a pay per view like that. Just from beginning to end, it's just really hard, right? Like again, pay per views tend to be pretty long. This was what I think it was around four hours, which is yeah, something probably like still that, yeah. a little too long, but. Just again, for them to bat essentially a thousand when it easily could have been bad. This is their first huge thing, you know, with the AEW label, and it easily could have gone bad. And people probably would have cut it some slack because they would have, you know, they would have given it the the new label and, and, and just a little bit of uh, room for error. But they knocked it out of the park. It, it just felt real from the get go, and that, that's just really, really hard to do. Yeah, especially dealing with all the hype around it. I mean, obviously they had all in a few months ago to really kind of get their feet wet in terms of production and putting together a massive card of this scale. But to be able to, one, put on a quality production. um, I mean, they had the kayfabe entrances, which a lot of people on Twitter are raving about. I mean, we don't see that anymore in the WWE. They all come out of the same curtain. So to have them do the kayfabe entrances was great. JR coming back. Uh, even though, for my taste, he had a couple of missteps and things that um, I wasn't a huge fan of, but for the most part, he was pretty good. Um, and then, I, I mean, all in all, with the with the the music and the surprises, I mean, it felt big. It felt well done. It felt thought out. So, um, obviously, to me, the 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 match of the night and, and what told the best story was Cody versus Dustin. I was completely blown away by that match. Um, great phenomenal storytelling and and actually really solid in ring work for 
for for Cody, and then also Dustin, who's fifty years old. Dustin dusted off a couple of uh, new new moves for him. It was uh, it, I was surprised that he had those in his repertoire, and obviously they made a point about saying this during the broadcast that you know he hasn't been in the ring much in over a year, so he's clearly been working on this stuff behind the scenes. But for him to pull him off as well as he did was super impressive because like you said he's 50 which by the way like that age gap between them is actually super staggering like cody's only 33 we think of him as this seasoned vet or you know he, and he is a seasoned. we think of him like this old timer essentially because he's now working behind the scenes and you know kind of like taking on that triple h type role where he's you know at gorilla but but i mean obviously we knew he could go i was and he's very impressed. much he's, he's very much in his prime very absolutely. much in his prime. yeah absolutely and he's you know he's 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 doing some amazing work, but yeah, I was super surprised with how well Dustin looked, and he just it looked like, you know, he he looked in good shape. You know, for for someone who's fifty years old and could easily just have mailed it in, it was a hell of a match. It was incredible. Like just the storytelling. Like like let's put the in ring work to the side for a second. The storytelling was just incredible. Just the build to it. You know, they had to obviously fabricate some of the the, the tension there, right? Because I think at the end of the day that they, they do they are brothers and they do get along. And the way that they, you know, built the story of Cody wanting to kill the attitude era, like I, I like that. But for them to actually deliver on that and you know, obviously the blood and, and, and all that stuff helped, but oh my God. Yeah hell he of a match. He hit a gusher with that with that blade job. I mean, that was that was like Eddie Guerrero backlash uh, style blood. Like, um, like that was some serious gushing that he had. I think at one point he was like legitimately pouring blood um, out yeah, of his head. His when he face was, was, was full. It was. It looked like an Austin or uh, when he was stuck in the sharpshooter. It just like a yeah. crimson mask for real, for real. Yeah, and I mean. They they were able to build almost to a build to a crescendo at the at the end of the match where I think they were both hitting uh, their finishers um, and then eventually Cody was able to get the three count. Um, but man, they knew how to work it and they gave him the time. That was the other thing is they gave him the time um, to to one build the story within the ring and also like build the story with their vignettes prior. Um, the only thing I really did not care for was the the sledgehammer to the gigantic uh, <laughs> the throne. throne. Um, I, I felt like it was something outside of the storyline to me. Like I understand that Cody wanted to kill the atti- kill the Attitude Era, but like that's Triple H, not Goldust. Um, and and it just felt like a little off the beaten path or a little bit more of a, a, a parallel path than rather than focusing on the direct story. Um, but all in all, I thought it was. Uh, an excellent match, an excellent story, and and just a way to to really like set up the next coming the, the matches to follow. Because um, obviously this was like right in the middle of the card. This was right. dead set right in the middle. Yeah, um, I believe this is right before quite possibly one of the better like tag matches I've seen in a while. The Bucks and the Lucha Bros. I mean, they put on a fucking spot show. Jesus they went crazy. Yeah, so c- c- go, let's go back to the Cody versus Dustin thing for a sec, just because, again, by far the best match of the night. Just, I mean, again, from just from the storytelling standpoint, that was amazing. In in ring work was actually super solid too. Um, it was actually super funny over here. I was watching it, and my wife, like, this, this is when she kind of came in to like watch the rest of the card with me. And you know, with WWE, very anti blood, very you know, that's just not part of the show anymore. <laughs> for her to just come in at this point when. Uh, the matches before, you know, were your kind of your standard wrestling matches. 
uh, for this to be as bloody and gory <laughs> as it as it ended up being, kind of took her aback. And I had to, you know, kind of explain kind of the backstory and why it was important that, th- that this did happen, uh, just because of like the emotions that were involved and stuff like that. But you know, the, oh, it, it was incredible. And shout out to the, uh, the cleanup team for getting rid of all that blood after the the ring was covered in it. Right. It was yeah. Like, like dark red spots. Yeah. And, and I had mentioned by the next match, it was <laughs> it was super clean. Yeah, and like this was this reminded me of that Eddie Guerrero match, and I think I said backlash earlier. I meant Judgment Day 2004 when he fought JBL, and he hit the yeah, wrong yeah. he hit the wrong blade job. Um, like the the mat the mat was just covered in blood, and like uh, yeah, being able to actually like replace the mat to like make it look a little cleaner later in the later in the show was was the right call because I mean that was it was everywhere. But like going back to that Bucks Lucha Bros match, I mean um, I'm not gonna sit here and say I've I've watched a ton of Young Bucks matches. I uh, I've watched them here and there, but man, every time I watch them, they blow me away. Uh, and, and and the Lucha Bros too. I mean, Phoenix, if he's healthy, he is one of the better workers in the world. I mean, he his is, timing is unreal. Yeah, unreal. just incredible. Um, that spot where he hit the Huracarana when he oh jumped my God. rope to rope and then actually came back over. Man, I was blown away. And also, like, the Bucks paid some tributes to, to some old uh, foes, and they paid tribute to El Generico with the Brain Buster off the, the top brain of the road. Yep, yep. Yep, and they pulled the Motor City Machine Guns move. So, like, uh, it was it was crazy. And I love the fact that, like, they're putting tag team wrestling over because then you, you can, like, juxtaposition that to the WWE, which is, like, doing absolutely nothing with their tag team divisions. And then you have AEW, which is putting on four to five star matches with the bucks and the lucha bros and then the best friends and uh jack evans and and helico um i mean they they are really investing in the tag division and as they should like when tag team wrestling is done like that done the right way it's beautiful to watch right and first for whatever reason vince and wwe don't buy into it like they throw all these makeshift tag teams together you know seemingly every week uh, it's just two people who have two separate rivalries and those kind of stick them together. And it's just unfortunate to watch. I mean, again, just kind of talk, you're echoing your point about the juxtaposition. The raw tag team champions haven't been on TV in like two weeks. Yeah. Where, where are the Viking Raiders, the war Raiders or whatever the hell their name is now? Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy to me that the champions of your show from, for an entire division just aren't showing up. Right. And, kind of even like the women's tag team wrestling uh, sorry the women's tag team champions i mean the iconics like they're on tv but they keep losing what what what, yeah, are, we, what, what are we doing here yeah they're so, a joke yeah the, it, it is the whole tag team division in wwe is a joke and for aew to say this is going to be the home of tag team wrestling and we're going to feature it like that's freaking awesome like you know, for for Cody and and Dustin to be teaming up against the the Young Bucks at the next pay per view, uh, already it's, it's it's already super exciting. So you know, props to them. But again, this like like you said, like this match was ridiculous. There's so many spots where I stood up like I was watching a basketball game. You know, it's like mm-hmm. fourth quarter of a tight game, big shot after big shot, like all you know, super kicks left and right. Nick Jackson is a freaking monster this dude is i like the spots are one thing but to have the stamina and the endurance to just do them consecutively is ridiculous 
Um, yeah. So, again, it, that was just a freaking joy and pleasure to watch. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope that's not the last time we see them uh, facing off against each other because that, that was unbelievable. Yeah, and speaking of a joy to watch, there was actually a battle royale at the pre-show that was really fun to watch. I mean, that was... That battle royale was really well done, in my opinion. It was like, no Andre the Giant battle royale. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, outside of the the entrance stipulations, which were a little bit funky to me. I mean, the five out of that time, was weird. That, yeah. it, it was a little funky, but in terms of like the, the talent that they had in there, what they were doing within the ring and the spots they were the spots they were having, every it seemed like every star that they have on their roster got a chance to have a moment. Um, obviously, like. My favorite person in the entire match is MJF, who might be my favorite person in wrestling right now. I am a MGF, MJF stan. Um, <laughs> best heel in the business. Just fucking phenomenal every single time. Uh, got to the middle of the ring, threw at the double birds. I was like, this is my guy. Um, and then you also have crazy spots like Joey Janela just fucking almost dying on a table spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that just, did that did not. See, I mean, you see how quick the refs got to him because his neck took the brunt of the impact. It was yeah. insane. Yeah, he took that crazy table spot. He also got a lit cigarette stapled to his forehead by <laughs> yeah. by Jimmy Havoc, which was fucking incredible. Um, and, and, and Orange Cassidy made an appearance, who is also one of my favorite uh, indie wrestlers right now. I mean, his whole shtick of being uh his slow movements and and wrestling with his hands in his pockets or it just gets me i spent most of my day today like with orange cassidy youtube videos on in the background of my while i was working so um (laughs) i'm a big fan so he's already got his next match set up he's facing sean spears ty dillinger the perfect 10 that's what a huge spot for him yeah the i mean the perfect 10 was great in there i mean he actually got a chance to shine uh he even did the perfect 10 um so I, I thought everything was great. And then obviously having Hangman come out as the Joker when it made so much sense. I mean, obviously, I think that's where they're going to go is they're going to put that belt on Hangman um, it, eventually once he faces Jericho later. But, man, it, it, it all made sense. It all, it all built co- correctly. And then, and then they had the, the, the segment, in, segment in the middle of the card where they had Bret Hart come out and show off the belt. And they had Hangman come out. And they built to other feuds. They had MJF come out and break and, and interrupt Hangman that can start a feud there. And then you had Jimmy Havoc come out and start a feud with MJF. So it's like they're already building to the next pay-per-views in this pay-per-view. It's not like a let's wait until after and then restart. They're already per, they're already building down the line, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean that was a really fun way to kick off the show. Like and kind of how I alluded to earlier, it, it easily could have gone the route of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal Roads freaking meaningless and obviously there's like a title shot at the end of this you know as the carrot that was dangling but it it was just well done you know like everyone was kind of doing their stuff in the corners or to the sides and when they wanted to feature someone or two people they would let them kind of go in the middle and that gets kind of lost sometimes in battle royals especially in wwe where it feels like that only happens sporadically where the rest of the match is just a clusterfuck basically and no one gets their spots Unless you're Kofi Kingston, who's just you know trying to avoid being eliminated and not have your feet touch the floor, but, yeah. You know this this was actually a well done battle royal, and it, it is a tough match in general to pull off, just because there's you know either twenty or thirty moving parts, but they 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 did it really really effectively, and and you know Hangman going over and getting the win and getting the first title shot, uh, you know especially since his match with Pac was canceled 
or you know how creative differences or whatever happened there uh you know it was definitely the right call but it, it was an overall great way to kick off the show and again a, a really tough spot because that was essentially aew's first real thing that they were putting on i mean i know you know they made a big deal about you know the the six man that eventually led off the show as being the technical first match but this was really the first aew stamped match and it easily could have gone really really wrong and that six man was awesome that, yeah, that was, was really good. Awesome six man. SCU is great. Um, yep. and, and the women's match was was very solid. It wasn't great, but it was it was solid. It had the surprise of Awesome Kong coming back. Um, very much a welcome surprise to that women's division. And then obviously they put over Britt Baker, which makes total sense. She's going to be the star of the women's division for them. Yep. Um, and so I mean, it, they were able to showcase that talent um, and put over the right ones. And then obviously this leads directly to the main event, the biggest thing going on on the card, and that was Omega Jericho. And by God, they put on a fucking clinic. By the way, so you know how you know when they're introducing you know each wrestler. I love the fact how AEW. It's like these small things that are just kind of throwbacks. They have time limits to the matches. They're, yeah, they're obviously yeah, yeah. never going to reach them. But I just remember that being a, a huge thing, kind of like in the '90s and the Attitude Era. They would say, you know, it's a 15 minute time limit. And then th- that kind of just went away uh, and just kind of became a thing in video games. But it was just a small, subtle little thing. And when they said, you know, this is going to be a 60, this is going to have a 60 minute time limit. I was like, shit, let them go. Like, you know, Jericho and Omega, that's freaking fantastic. And, you know, it was a very, very, very good match. The, the ending was a little funky. I think they, they might have gotten a little tired. The, there was a little, there was a DDT there that did not <laughs> go very well. Other than that, you know, obviously two amazing workers, and they've obviously faced each other before. It it, it was fantastic, and it was it was obviously a great jumping off point to what became the story of the night. And I'll, I'll let you introduce this because you have been very liberal with your how do I put this delicately? You're shitting on this guy <laughs> and his work in the industry. Who I vehemently tried to defend, and that he was being misused. But I'll let you. I'll let you introduce the uh, the new newest AEW star. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, not so much that him showing up, but I was pleasantly surprised at my reaction. Uh, John Moxley coming down from the crowd after the match, giving everybody in the ring dirty deeds. I popped like I was like watching Stone Cold. I've never popped <laughs> like that in in a long. I haven't popped like that in a long, 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 long time. Um, to me, it was refreshing to see him um, embrace the character a little bit more. It felt like in WWE in the last couple months he was he was going through the motions. He wasn't really invested in it because you could tell he just didn't he didn't really like where his character was going. And here you can see him. The moment he gets in the ring, he can. It's it's almost like he's shedding Dean Ambrose. He does like this weird like snake movement, and he's like shedding Dean Ambrose, and he's John Moxley. And I, I the crowd erupted. I mean, seeing the crowd react to that was it was huge to me. Um, to me, this was this is on par with Scott Hall showing up in WCW. It's that big to me. Oh, it was, um, it was huge, and it was. I was reading something today that Jr. didn't even know he was going to be there. I, he, they were, they had been in negotiations with him as far as he knew. So his reaction on the on the broadcast was as genuine as it gets. And dude, like, it's it's also interesting that the way that he exited WWE, 
it just felt like this became a bigger deal, right? Like, yeah, they, they kind of made this, they created this monster that essentially became, you know, a big, a, a part of their biggest rival, which I'm sure was not their plan, but it, it, it was fantastic. And, and to have that kind of impact right away, like that, that, that was the cherry on top of AEW saying, you know, we are here to stay. And as, as, John Moxley put in his first promo that he cut in the back, you know, this is a paradigm shift. This is absolutely a paradigm shift. So tinfoil hat theory time. Oh, there is right. talk on, there are people on Twitter saying this is a work and that AEW and WWE are working together on this. <laughs> no. On John Moxley. <laughs> I'm shocked that the internet came up with a conspiracy theory, <laughs> especially in the wrestling community. That never happens. It was uh, it's an interesting one um, that if you look at it in the right way and start like really like hammering in the puzzle pieces to make them fit, it sounds a little bit it sounds like it could be real, but I mean obviously it's not. Um, I I mean, I was convinced up until the moment he was walking down the ramp or walking down the stairs that his whole contract situation with the WWE was a work and that he was going to come back. I think I even said it on this pod that he was going to go did. back to WWE. <laughs> you definitely did. Don't worry about it. Like, he's going to be back. And to see him show up, say that he signed a multi-year deal, and now he has matches in line. He has already in line a match with Joey Janela at Fighter Fest, which is going to be a, a fucking bloodbath. He has a match with Darby Allen, which again will be a bloodbath. He has a match with Pentagon Jr. He's going to face Juice for the U.S. title in, in, in New Japan. And then he's got Omega at All Out. Like, he's got fucking just quality matches lined up that fit his style and fit his gimmick. He's he's not fighting some, like, a generic wrestler in the WWE that's going to have to put on a PG match. Like, he's fighting Joey Janela and Darby Allen and Pentagon, who are going to want to, like, put on some brutal matches and do some crazy shit. Like, that's awesome to me. Uh, yeah, like, I, I he, think... Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, I think AEW just kind of fits his personality more, right? I think Seth Rollins said this about Dean. He just kind of marches to his own beat, right? And AEW just, it's, it's, it's very, very, very wide open right now in terms of the directions it can go. And they don't seem to have, you know, they, they don't want to control their people. They, they want to be the Steve Kerr to their Steph Curry, right? Where it's, oh, they, get out they of here with your, let, warriors. <laughs> with your Warriors. I'm sorry, yeah. This, the first time I've dropped a Warriors reference in nine <laughs> episodes, I think you should be very, very proud of me. But That's true. It, you, to that point, it's just, you know, you got to let these people go. And I think Vince and even Triple H to an extent, they they, they keep their talent very close to the vest. And it, it's very, it seems very contrived right now, which is, I think, the biggest problem with WWE is that they don't let their people go right like they 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 let them go within kind of like a lane and it's it, i think that's the most frustrating part as a fan is that you can tell especially with dean ambrose like he the way that they look the heel turn when he turned on seth the night that roman made his announcement i you know i hated it then i think i still hate it now um but they had a huge opportunity to turn him into one of the biggest heels in the company, one of the biggest stars in the company. And the the way that they messed that up is still mind boggling to me because it was sitting there on a tee for them. Like he, mm -hmm. he, he was, he could have been one of the greatest heels ever. And th that whole, you know, the fans are a disease, which is essentially what they are now having Sami Zayn continue to do. 
it was it, I I don't blame John Moxley or John Good or whatever his, uh, his his actual real name is for being frustrated and wanting to get out eventually because this is what he should be doing just being a fucking badass and you know stomping people out um who, yeah. who, and whoever stands in his way yeah he he should be that lunatic that it was always kind of hinted to i mean they 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 went heavy on lunatic fringe in in the wwe but allow him to be just a lunatic and allow him to run in from the crowd and interrupt a match allow him to do crazy shit on top of a pile of chips let him like walk through the crowd and hug kids and do random shit that is not like in the constraints of a character let just let him be him and that's something that's really exciting because like they're going to allow him to be him and not have to be forced into this mode of like, you're a heel, but you're only a heel in these, in this way. Like you have to, you still have to fit in the PG era. Like he is somebody that if, if he was in the attitude era, he would have been a fucking massive star. Massive. Like he's already a big star, but like imagine him without the, the constraints of the PG era and allowing him to do things um, that are kind of the same leash they gave Austin. Yeah, and, some and, they, and that could DX. be over the that could be over the top and obscene, but at the same time, that's what he is as a character and what he wants to do in a ring, outside of a ring, all that kind of stuff. So, to me, it's really exciting and it's really it's a breath of fresh air for somebody that was really kind of just like treading water in the WWE, and that's why I popped so much because I could see it from the moment he was walking down the the stairs in the crowd into the moment he walked in the ring. You could tell. He was rejuvenated, and it, it almost seemed like his love and passion for the com- or for the business was just like oozing out of him. It, it, that's why it popped so much, and that's why I'm so excited about him going to AEW. The word that stands out to me there is rejuvenated, and uh, I think something that's been rejuvenated now is that WWE has a legit rival. But before we dive into that, let's take a quick break for a word from our favorite network, Blue Wire. Hey, this is Jason Pat, co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast. Check out my podcast and others on the network by searching Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. All right, and we are back. So let's just jump straight into what's easily, you all knew this was going to be the feud of the week. It's AEW versus WWE. Jay, there's a lot to unpack here. Obviously, there's there's the John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose connection now that kind of again just made this feel super super real. There's Cody smashing the throne uh, with Triple H's favorite weapon. You know, there's Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko is now producer of AEW, yeah. leaving WWE after roughly same, ten yeah. years. Same with Billy so Gunn, who was yeah. for some reason in the Battle Royal, but you know whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of storylines there, and I think. I, I think what you said before the break was like this is the first time the WWE's had a rival in a very long time, um, and I think this is something like it, it's this is different from like a TNA um, in, in the sense that like yes TNA had a, a TV deal where they would be on Spike or whatever fucking channel they were on. Uh, I mean they went through a multitude of channels before they faded into irrelevancy, but like. What what we have here is like AEW is going to be on a massive network that already has a pedigree when it comes to res- wrestling promotion. Um, they're going to be putting on weekly shows. They've put their best foot forward with this first pay per view, 
and they have legitimate stars, like legitimate stars that have already built a massive following outside of the WWE. Like these are guys that have built the Young Bucks have built their 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 following out completely outside of the WWE. Same with Omega, and they have a fan base that is that may not even be across with the WWE. Those might those might be fans that just absolutely despise the WWE and are completely different. And then you have people coming over with a with you have fans coming over with a John Moxley and whoever else decides to make the jump to Ty Dillinger or and, and so. To me, this feud is something to keep an eye on. This is something to that is not going to be like a drastic change. Like AEW is not going to be like hitting WWE's bottom line. I, I don't right. think they're going to do it right, for the right. first year. I think what they're going to do, and I think they're going to have to play the long game, is just like keep poking, keep prodding, keep building, and eventually you can get to a spot where you are a viable number two threat. Right now, I mean, it's it's apples and oranges. WWE is a fucking monster. Like, there's They're no doubt about it. It's yeah, a freaking machine. Machine, yeah. So it's like it's it. We can't come out and say like AEW is going to dethrone the WWE because that's just not like you can't see that far ahead. But right now, like if they continue to put their best foot forward and continue to do what they've been doing, they can become a viable number two threat or a viable threat similar to a WCW. Oh no, absolutely. And I think it is, it's a different time now, right? Like. With the with how the internet and social media works now, they're going going to be a bigger threat than Impact or TNA ever was. Just because Impact and TNA was competing directly, it was TV versus TV, right? They were never right. going to catch up on years of devotion and fandom that had developed over the years. But now with kind of the, the internet, you know, you can kind of see that already with within WWE itself, right? Raw and SmackDown are essentially competing against NXT, which is an internet only television show. So for the now. writing was on the, yeah, for now. The writing was on the wall there, right? Like that there were kind of cracks in the armor for WWE that you could sneak in because they kind of developed it themselves. And now I think AEW is taking that model plus they're, you know, adding in a TV deal and this was essentially their showcase to say, like, we are the sh- like we are the real deal. Like, you should come watch what we are going to do on a legitimate network. So, and you know, they're they're also backed by Bleacher Report, which is a, now a legitimate sports entity. So they they have the ammo to do what you know Impact initially thought that they could do, um, and it, it's kind of scary because I, I think you know Cody's one of the brightest minds in the game. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, there's there's literally four wrestling people who know how to create a wrestling show, right? I think that that was ultimately TNA, TNA slash Impact's downfall is that they didn't have wrestling minds. There are now four yeah. of the the best, and the they're young too. Like Cody's what thirty three. Like this is this is insane to think about, and. Uh, you know, Cody's obviously been inside the WWE machine, so he knows what works and ultimately what doesn't. So it's it's going to be a very, very interesting, you know, next couple of years. So I do think AEW does have the legs to kind of at least go a few years. Like we don't know the end game, and like you said, they're not going to catch up to WWE overnight. But the fact that they are the talk of the wrestling community, you know, after one show, and that Raw and SmackDown could not even come close to what they produced is no. it's a it's a telling sign yeah i mean their their four vice presidents are either 
I think they're all younger, younger than 35. I think Kenny Omega is 35. And I want to say uh, Nick Jackson is 35 as well. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're all in their prime. Uh, oh, Nick Jackson is 29. I'm sorry. And, and, and Matt Jackson is, uh, he is in his 30s. So, I mean, they, they're all relatively young. They're all bright minds. And they, the, the, the interesting thing for me is they all have different experiences within the wrestling business. You have the young bucks who came up through the independent, independent, uh, through the Indies in, in America. I mean, they, they, they built their brand in, in America, in the Indies. You have Kenny Omega who built his brand in Japan. And then you have Cody who built his brand in the WWE. They all have vastly different experiences and that can all come together to build something special. And then they also have the backing of the cons financially. Um, I think the big, the big test for them is going to be weekly television. It's, it's right. incredibly hard to put together a weekly television show that is some that people are going to want to tune in every with week. With no off season. Yeah. With no off season, tell great storylines and have your talent maintain i mean that is something that wwe deals with on a regular basis is that they they struggle to tell storylines but also like their talent gets injured a lot because this is this is a a hard business so like that is going to be something that could be the downfall of aew but we'll see i mean they're going to be doing two hour weekly shows instead of a three hour and a five hour a three hour and a two hour so that could be a benefit um it all depends on like what what this transitions into when they start doing weekly television to me that's the biggest challenge and another thing too is that kind of looking back at the tna impact thing and why it never really panned out was merch right like you see again wrestling as a whole still kind of like this niche thing that you know if you see someone else with a wrestling shirt on you kind of just it's a small little nod of acknowledgement but it's always been wwe shirts right ever since wcw folded WWE shirts, it's like, you know, the old school fans who still have Austin and Rock shirts and the newer ones who, you know, are, you know, they have a lot of NXT shirts because that's the most accessible thing. And AEW has the backing of Pro Wrestling Tees, which is one of the biggest wrestling apparel entities like on the Internet right now. And they are supplying, I mean, they've obviously been supplying, you know, T-shirt designs and T-shirts for all these guys and girls when they were on the independence which is again kind of changed the game from a merch standpoint but uh, the merch throughout the arena was staggering like everyone had yeah. an AEW shirt it was yeah it was i mean kind of crazy i mean the young bucks and kenny omega and the bullet club they all I, I i think they all had a merch deal or they still do have a merch deal with hot topic and they were like yeah the high the, the the highest selling shirt i mean they've always been one of those top sellers i mean obviously having the backing and being part of the bullet club which was uh, which is massive. I mean, it really helped them, but also like elite shirts sell out everywhere. Bull, uh, Buck shirts sell out everywhere. Omega shirts are selling out everywhere. So I mean, like their merch is is selling without a machine behind them. That's the crazy thing. Um, so it's going to be interesting now that they do have this multimillionaire helping them kind of push their brands and see how much they can actually like continue to grow. Like. They have money now. They have an influx of cash coming in consistently, and they can build talent, and they can take talent from WWE um, and, and just continue to to build and build and build until they become a viable challenger. I, I'm just kind of waiting for the day where Tony Khan has a conversation with his dad and is like, 
where they make a bet on who's going to win first. AEW, like in terms of the ratings of WWE or the Jaguars winning a Super Bowl. It's just, <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to place that bet and, you know, get that alert on my phone. It's going to be, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. But again, this is just kind of putting a bow on all of this stuff that we've just been talking about, this AEW stuff. It's just, it was just a very, very exciting feeling watching that pay-per-view. Right? I, I, I haven't had that feeling in a long time. I mean, there's been great New Japan pay-per-views that have been out there. You know, even when TNA and Impact was kind of at, at its peak, there were some good matches and, and good cards there. But this just felt like a moment, right? As, yeah. as a wrestling fan, it just it just had this... At the end, you know, you have that... As they're going off the air and JR signing off, it's just this image of John Moxley, like, doing his John Moxley thing. And you're like, wow, that was yeah. freaking incredible. And I can't wait for the next one. So yeah, and I, th- and I'm super, I, super and, excited. And to, like, speak to the feud aspect, like, I also think it's interesting that, like, the WWE is not shying away from it. Like, Sami Zayn drops <laughs> AEW on Monday Night <laughs> yeah. Raw. And apparently apparently that's on that was on script. So, I mean, it looks like they're, like, leaning into it and they want this to be something. Because ultimately, competi- competition helps. WWE yep. was never ho- like has never been hotter than it was when WCW was at its heyday. And they were going head-to-head and they were putting together the best product possible. And then, obviously, once once WWE became, like, the, 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 the lone star in, in wrestling, I mean, obviously, like, they maintain their, their, their lead, but also, like, the quality has diminished like continuously. Right, so they've gotten complacent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So having competition is is going to help. I think um, we'll see if if WWE continues to uh, to mention them. I mean, obviously the fans are going to continue to drop AEW chance whenever something goes on that they don't like. Um, but if, if they still have talent, that's if the WWE is, is still allowing talents to drop AEW on the shows, tweet about it because they were. I mean, literally like dozens of 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 wrestlers in the, in in WWE were t- tweeting about um a, uh, double or nothing on Saturday. I mean, they were just all about it. So, uh, I even saw like Big E tweet about it. So, um yeah, this is going to be a fun time. I, I think once AEW starts going on 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 TNT on a weekly basis, this is going to be really fun. It's, again, it's never going to be the Monday Night Wars cuz that like that was kind of like the peak of wrestling fandom and and why you know why you and i are still talking about this stuff today because that time like hooked us in but yeah i i'm, I'm super interested interested to wonder we'll never know you know unless someone asks them like i think vince is probably super annoyed by aew i think triple h loves it because i think you know he was at the forefront of those monday night wars and he was the one who took dx and they went to wcw so i think he he likes this i don't th- vince has always been very you know, anti anyone else. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how those two react to it separately. Uh, especially, you know, Triple H is still an on screen character. Like he's unbelievably going to fight freaking Randy Orton at Super Showdown. So I, I, I that's a, a really, or, or something I, I would love to know about, but obviously we'll never know because uh, Vince is still busy booking Brock Lesnar with a freaking fake boombox briefcase, which leads us <laughs> into Lesnar. our news and notes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna run through these quickly because it's a lot of WWE stuff because we just went super super heavy on AEW, but there's a lot of stuff that we were not very happy with in terms of the response from WWE and for uh, for Double or Nothing. Yeah, I mean, you would expect that Monday Night Show to be like the best product possible for the WWE, 
and what they gave us was Brock Lesnar, or I'm sorry, Brock Party. Uh, coming out and I blame and, you for this by the way because you put that out there in the universe that you were a uh, fan of what Brock was doing and yeah. I think WWE heard it and were like oh we got we got one let's make a t-shirt <laughs> and then let's add some speakers to this freaking briefcase that he's never and changes music too like they change his oh music that's the crazy thing and, and like he props to Brock because he fully bought in like he's doing a dance he whatever the fuck that dance was I mean he's doing it he's going in he's he is bought in but they turned him into no way jose like legitimately turned him into no way jose um and what it, wwe definitely needed to combat AEW was a white no way jose <laughs> <laughs> um and and then like they have a segment go way too long i mean that opening segment was just fucking absurd uh, on raw and i mean and now they're having kofi and, and seth basically fight over who gets to wrestle brock uh i think Later in the show on Raw, they actually redeemed themselves. I thought the the segment where Brock realizes that he has a year to cash in the belt or the cash in the the briefcase was was priceless. I thought his interaction with Paul Heyman was great. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they they took it. They took a, a good idea and they ruined it by just going way, way, way over the top with Brock Party. I you know you and everyone else know where I stand on this Brock Lesnar thing, <laughs> and it's just still upsetting that he's still a, the, you know a main cog in in the show just because I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he gets he deserves to be the highest paid guy. I think that causes you know animosity and you know schisms in the locker room uh, that don't need to be there because there's plenty. There's, literally, there's already too many guys. What are we doing with this part timer who is just gonna freaking he he doesn't like wrestling. I don't. I don't. I still don't understand it. But let's let's quickly move on before I have a freaking brain aneurysm talking about Brock Lesnar. Well, I mean, we're we're gonna move on to to another thing. I might cause you to have a brain aneurysm. Uh, Baron Corbin is gonna be facing Seth Rollins for the for the Universal Title in Saudi Arabia. I mean, I mean, Vince really wants Baron Corbin to be a thing. I mean, we that, that's not too big of a shock because he was all about Baron, even when Baron had the you know the receding hairline, but also the long hair when he was you know when he he won Money in the Bank, and he's one of the few who has failed to do it. So Vince has a certain type, right? He has a like my cousin likes blonde girls. That's all he likes. Vince likes six foot and over. Right, that's that's who he wants to be champion, and that's who he wants to be featured on his shows. So, he, for whatever reason, he loves Baron Corbin, and and like I don't hate Baron Corbin necessarily. I hate the way he's dressed. I don't. Again, I mean, I think yeah. everyone hates the way he's dressed. That's not you know that's not a hot take at all. But he like he's to his credit, he's really embraced this role of you know if everyone's gonna hate me, might as well. Kind of like how Roman Reigns was doing it when everyone was booing him before the cancer thing. So he's doing what he can within the constraints of like his actual skill set and you know what his position in the company but it, it we just we just need to stop man like the, there's who who are we kidding we do we really think Baron Corbin is going to beat Seth in Saudi Arabia no no but like yeah his his gimmick that he wrestles in like business casual attire is is not going over i wonder how many shirts he sells like i wonder how much merch he sells do you see, like, I've never seen somebody, like, at a wrestling show or, like, a shot in the crowd with, like, a Baron Corbin shirt on. Yeah, because they don't want to get ridiculed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you, you would DDT someone if you saw someone wearing a Baron What is a Baron Corbin shirt at this point? Is it the vest with, like, the logo insignia on, like, I mean, the if they made right a sh- corner? 
if they made a shirt that was like just like a white shirt with like a vest over top of it, I like, yeah, that actually be kind of funny. Like a screen printed vest, yeah, not yeah, one yeah. That's, yeah. Like that's like super cheesy, and, and like it, it, to me, it would fit the character because I, I still don't, I don't understand why he wrestles in a button up, but um, yeah, it, it, he just con- he doesn't even need to repackage. He just needs a reclothing. You know I'm what I'm saying? A, like, like I'm legitimately at a loss for words to describe him as like a character because he's it doesn't work for me. His and also his in ring work just is boring it's, it's fine it's it's, it's nothing boring. exciting he, he he's he's adequate which i think is not you know you want to feel one way or the other right like you want to be like seth rollins who's one of the best workers in the business or you want to be angry at john cena because he's 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 charismatic but has like three moves you know you, like being in that kind of middle ground is is never good yeah also did they change seth rollins's music did they put the burn it down at the beginning I feel like they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that's that's been like that for a while now. No, because I thought it was. I thought they always started with like the double bass, and then like ten seconds in is when they did the burn it down. I feel like now they've opened it. Yeah, yeah, they, to yeah. They moved it, it to the beginning. Yeah, because everyone, uh, they realized that everyone everyone was getting into that. Like that's when they would really, you know, pop is during yeah. the burn. So they just kind of front loaded it, which you know I'm not necessarily mad at it. Seth has a solid entrance, um, but. Uh, let, let's uh, let's quickly move on to the uh, the twenty the twenty four seven belt, which I, I like. I'm a I'm a fan of. It's obviously gotten shit on a lot, you know, on wrestling Twitter, the wrestling internet. But so today, Elias became a twenty four seven champion for all of like an hour because he dropped it by the end of the night to Truth, who is now a two time twenty four seven champion. I I hate the fact that these sentences are coming out of my mouth after <laughs> after just gushing about double or nothing and my god the smackdown main event was freaking roman reigns and r truth versus elias and drew mcintyre i again the, just the juxtaposition I, I of the tag team matches that we are talking about in right? a span of like 48 hours is or sorry like four days is staggering it's yeah. absolutely staggering so let's Quickly move on from that uh, to a brighter spot, which is in, in WWE, NXT. Uh, some news there. Uh, yeah. Road Dog now full-time on NXT. Uh, what do you think that's going to do for the product? He, he, he was the head writer uh, at, on SmackDown for a while, and you know uh, there were some reports that he quit just because Vince's, uh, how do I put it? undecisiveness kind of finally got to him, and he quit that position and went to a lower one. So now he's going to NXT to probably presumably work closer with triple H. Yeah. So I, I can only assume that it'll make it better because it's already one. It's already the best thing in the company. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this is a positive change. I think him working with triple H on a more consistent basis would be great. Um, I, I think him working with younger talent would be great. Cause I, I mean, road dog was, was excellent on the mic. And I think that's something that he could really teach. Um, younger wrestlers coming in that yep. may not be focused on the promo aspect and which I mean is such a huge aspect within the WWE. So, um I, I think him being able to to get a little bit more hands-on with younger talent is is always a good thing. I mean, and also like there's the possibility that Joey fucking Ryan will be an NXT coach in the future. Uh, there was news that came out that he reportedly turned down an AEW deal. He might so be now, the only person who's turned down an AEW deal in the past like six months, which is crazy right? to think about. 
So the story is that he he turned down AEW. There's there could be potential that he joins NXT and then eventually transitions transitions into a coach role, which would be really interesting. I mean, he is in his he, he is 38 years old, so I mean, he is getting there up there in age. The one thing I I'm, I'm questioning is how do you get that character into the PG era? Like his character is literally like dick flips and people grabbing his dick. <laughs> yeah. So like I don't understand that. <laughs> we'll see if it if it actually comes to fruition. Um, I mean, he's probably making a killing on the indie scene, just jumping around. But um, Joey Ryan in, in, in NXT, what do you think about that? I mean, it, it looks like they're transitioning him to an off-screen persona, you know, just a coach, which again would make sense because they can't have genitalia grabbing <laughs> anymore uh aew would have done it they would have done it you know full-blown but uh, well they did like they, at all in they did the dick droids yeah yeah <laughs> so, I would say, which was again super confusing out of context but <laughs> we, i remember reading you know reading the results for for all in uh after it happened and my wife looked over my shoulder she's like what are you reading does it say penis druids? No, I had a lot of explaining to do, but no, it's uh, I think it's a good move for NXT, especially if him and Road Dog together. I think that's that's great because again, with NXT being the best thing that they have going, and you know that being essentially being a feeder system into you know the two main rosters, uh, it's always key to keep developing those guys and girls, you know, in NXT. So you know, yeah. Another thing to look into here is like the potential of nxt moving to fs1 uh, and becoming more of a weekly television show i mean obviously they have the weekly show on on the network but being able to have that on a network uh, on an actual tv channel so maybe bringing in these guys will help with character development when it comes to a weekly television brand yeah i mean uh, performing for you know wwe network and everyone in full sale on essentially what is tape delay is is yeah. very different because they can fix things and post you know live TV is just very very different and a lot of the NXT guys and girls who have made that transition in the beginning it's always been a little rough right it's always mm-hmm. been like that and it's taken it took even Seth Rollins you know a few years to figure out who he was as a singles wrestler and his persona on the mic so it it does take a while I mean and I think they're starting to realize that especially with the way they've kind of called up all these NXT guys and girls very very quickly like you know you know the ricochets and Aleister Blacks of the world like they were awesome in NXT but they haven't quite hit in the same way just yet. And I think they want to expedite that process where it's just more of a seamless transition. Yeah. So moving on, we have surprisingly, we have an NXT takeover show this weekend. So um, let's rapid fire, go through this card. Uh, It's a rather, it's, it's a really small card. I mean, it's something that we love about takeover shows. So we can go through this like rapid fire. So, we have Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. I think we're in agreement. Riddle goes Riddle. over here. Yeah, yeah. N- no other way to go. Um, we have the NXT Tag Championship. We have Undisputed Era versus Street Profits versus Forgotten Sons and Oni Lochran and Danny Birch. Uh, I am going Street Profits. I think it's time you put the belts on them. I'm going Undisputed Era. I just think they're, they need to rebuild the tag team titles in NXT just a little bit. Um, and I think giving it to Undisputed Era to hold just for a little bit, then the Street Profits can take it from them later uh, when, you know, Undisputed Era eventually makes the jump to the main roster, which I don't think is very far off. So yeah. that's, I think, where we're going. 
uh, NXT North American Championship. We got Dream versus Tyler Breeze. I think to me, it's obvious Dream's going over here. He he will. I'm I'm actually a huge Tyler Breeze stan, and that's because of his work on the Up Up Down Down channel. <laughs> Him and Xavier <laughs> Woods are like best friends, so he's always on there, uh, and he's freaking hilarious. So. I, I wouldn't be mad at him getting a you know a little a quick little title run. Maybe he drops it super quick, but it, it doesn't make sense for him to win at this point. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Velveteen all the way. Yeah, and then we got the NXT Women's Championship. We got Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. I think it's time you put the belt on on Io and you you move Shayna up to the main roster. I think main roster needs it desperately. Though especially Raw. Oh my yeah. god, they they need women's wrestlers, women's stars, ASAP, and um, you know. Becky's still doing great work, but it's uh, she needs new challengers. So the Shane, I think, would be fantastic at this point. Yep. Uh, and then NXT Championship, Johnny, Gongar- Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, which is going to be a barn burner. I got Gargano. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Adam Cole fan. I'm, I'm also a big Jer- Johnny Gargano fan, but... I, I think this is uh this is Cole's moment. I think Gargano's I think he's gotta go up to the main roster at some like he was there. He had like a little little quick date on the main roster and all of a sudden he just went back to win the NXT championship. Obviously that changed once uh Ciampa got hurt, but I think it's uh we gotta we had to usher in the uh, Adam Cole era before they have to, you know, event like he, him jumping to the main roster with no world title run doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I think they just gotta do it now. They gotta pull the trigger. Interesting. Uh, so I think it's time for our favorite segment of the show. We didn't have one last week, so it's time for White Wine Hot Takes. White Wine Hot Takes. All right. So mine is uh, is a bit of a hot take. I, 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 I would say it could be classified as, as a mild take. But to me, personally, Saturday night was the biggest, most important thing John Moxley or Dean Ambrose has ever done in his career. And that includes his Survivor Series call-up with The Shield. That includes his WWE title runs. Uh, I, I think what he did on Saturday night changed the game and, and changed the the landscape of professional wrestling so much that it's it, you can't look at it and not think that's his biggest thing. To me, that was on the level of Scott Hall joining WCW and coming into the ring saying, you know who I am. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm excited about the possibility of John Moxley becoming an even bigger star. I'm just taking in all this positive John Moxley, <laughs> Dean Ambrose talk that you're delivering. I'm going to uh, cut this later and put it into a super cut for when you eventually turn on John Moxley for being too <laughs> Dean Ambrose. Um, my white wine hot take for the week is I hate Chris Jericho's new finisher. I think it sucks. That's a good take. I think it's, I think it's freaking terrible. I, Codebreaker, great finisher. Lion Tamer, great finisher. What? Like I get he's been doing this MMA training or whatever the hell they want to sell us on, but my God, the Judas effect. Like first of all, that's a great name. The <laughs> I, great I would, n- I would argue that's a terrible fucking name. <laughs> well, whatever. The point is, it's there's just like that's what took down Kenny Omega. That's what ended an incredible match. I boo a spinning a spinning back elbow. Yeah, that. boo earns. You know, <laughs> boo earns. Uh, especially after he hit a code breaker when Kenny Omega jumped from the top rope, which was fucking awesome. Right. Like that spot was great, and then he did that stupid 
spinning back elbow. I, I agree. The uh, I, I know that you had said this earlier, but their finish was a bit botched. You can tell that when they botched the first one, I want to say like Jericho like leaned in and said like just run it back, and they did the exact same right, right, right. sequence of events, and, and then they actually finished it. Um, but yeah, the the spinning back elbow Judas effect. I'm not a fan. I'm also I hate the fact that like he uses Fozzie for his entrance music now. Yeah, like I know like, that he, it was I know like that him singing. That I know was, uh... I, I know he can't use like break the walls down anymore because it's obviously WWE's property. But like, can we not like let's not put shine on on Fozzie, please? Like that's so bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, another hot take. Jeremy's not a fan of Fozzie. We need to burn every Fozzie CD in existence, please. I I would actually love to know if you're a Fozzie fan, send over your favorite song. Okay, well, (laughs) or or you can hit Jeremy with the Judas effect, but send me your favorite song, and I just want to listen to it. I've I've I'm I love Chris Jericho. I think he's fantastic. I've just never listened to a Fozzie song, and it's accessible, but. I, I don't want any Fozzie fan. I challenge you to send me your favorite Fozzie song, and I will listen to it and give it, you know, a good shot. Even though it's not my type of music in general, but uh, any Fozzie fan can meet me in Temecula. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> With that, we're gonna sign off. Uh, make sure to follow us on on Twitter. You can follow the pod at doesn't matter pod. That's pod with a zero. You can follow Ben at, at cruise control. I'm sure his his Twitter account's going to be insufferable when he goes to Toronto and he watches the the Warriors and the Raptors in the NBA Finals. And then you can follow me being salty as hell at Jeremy A. Loss. Um, and make sure you subscribe and rate our pod uh, wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, wait, uh, are we Spotify. on Stitcher? Yeah, yeah, Spotify. Spotify. Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. But if you are an Apple Podcast user, hit us with that five-star rating. We're now up to, I believe, 64 five-star ratings, which is fantastic. And we were, uh, again, uh, the uh, 126th most popular sports and recreation podcast on Apple Podcasts yesterday. Let's crack that top. Let's crack that 100. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's uh, I think that's a pretty fair... It's still a lofty goal, but I think it's still a fair goal that I think we can uh, we can all hit. So, let's if do we it. if we crack the top one hundred, I will post a video to Twitter of me doing the Stone Cold Steve Austin beer chug. Okay, so dear God, please let's let's make this happen. <laughs> I, I want to see Jeremy spit up some beer. Uh, 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 and with that, there's actually been. Uh, there's, you know, you listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts. I just want to know what's been like the best AEW double or nothing take that you've heard on and on what podcast? Oh, oh, goodness gracious. Uh, I, I think it, it doesn't it, matter <laughs> what your podcast is called. Oh, it gets me every time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Hey, and by the way, I stole Stokely Hathaway's CD player. Bye. <laughs>